Welcome to Book Me Podcast, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing. I'm Lindsay Glode Rainingbird. Join me as we journey through contemporary Canadian literature, reading as much as we can and chatting with authors, illustrators, and other bookish folk, celebrating our dynamic, diverse, and vibrant national literary scene as we go. So grab a snack, get cozy, break that binding, dog ear those pages, let's dig into it. Today, I'm joined by YA legend Joe Tregiari to talk about her new book, Heartbreak Homes, a locked room murder mystery told from multiple points of view. When a back-to-school rager at an abandoned model home takes a chaotic turn and a popular senior ends up dead, everyone is a suspect. Kara, protector of her pack of homeless lost girls, there for the easy mark rich kids. Martin, recently exiled to a new school in life after his father loses everything in a bad development deal. And Frankie, my personal favorite, normally not a partier, follows her newly popular best friend there as emotional support. Now the three teens have to work together to find out what really happened before one of them goes down for the crime or worse, because a killer is still out there tying up loose ends. With everything you need in a thriller, a tight plot, nuanced characters, and a few great twists, Heartbreak Homes is set to be a hit. It's the best thriller I've read this year, and beyond that, at its center, it just has a really soft heart. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, that was such a lovely intro. Oh, thank you. I just love the book so much. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. So what's a locked room mystery and what made you want to write one? So a locked room mystery is, is sort of a classic mystery trope. It's when a murder victim is discovered in a locked room, you know, so first there's the mystery of how did the person get out, which is um, probably the the question that would leap to someone's mind the first. It sort of encapsulates like the murder in a way that's kind of interesting. I also like the idea of it being at a party where all these things are happening outside this room and and no one is aware that there's actually a murder occurring and then the murder is discovered. So that's um, that's sort of an exciting plot beginning, I guess. I thought so. Yeah, because it's hard to keep track if you're at a party. Who's going where? What's happening? Yeah. The other great thing about um, sort of picking a setting like a like a house that is actually, um, you know, a physical containment for a bunch of people. When you're writing a mystery, this would be a bunch of suspects, potential suspects and potential victims and potential murderer or or murderers is the fact that there's all this stuff going on that that that's usually alcohol involved and and sometimes other things that um, alter perceptions that there's all those hidden currents of of emotion and 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 everything running under the surface. And so it makes for this really complex um, assortment of of people, you know, sort of bouncing off each other and like coming into conflict. And it's a really great way also with all that uh, sort of contained chaos to sow your clues and your red herrings and your misdirections and uh, all of those things as well. And to introduce your characters. Yeah. Who are the three main characters, Kara, Frankie and Martin. You can tell reading the book how much you cared about those characters. Were you always going to showcase those three or was there a point where you thought maybe one of the other characters might deserve a perspective? Mm -hmm. Um, It was always going to be those three. I love those characters. I did a lot of I always do a lot of backstory and development on my characters. And and, you know, most of it doesn't make it into the book, but it means that I really know them uh, deeply and intensely. 
Um, I love I love those three characters because they really have nothing to do with one another. But that's the other thing about setting the murder at a party is that I throw people into um, close contact with one another. Frankie and Martin have a little bit of a previous contact through the school newspaper. But now that Martin's at a different school, they, they don't really know each other and and they never did really know each other. Um, and then Kara is a complete like out of left field um, addition to that social group because she's completely um, outside it. Yeah, they just her and her friends are just there for the opportunity. Right. right? Yes, All they're opportunists. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they're there to see what they can get. Yeah. And I also, they're all motivated by different things, you know, which also goes into sort of revealing character and developing character. So for that reason, I love writing multiple POV um, because I think for the reader, you're getting a far fuller three-dimensional perception of what's going on. But it also includes all of our sort of ingrained biases that we don't really think about, you know, but we're all guilty of having these sort of biases. So I get to, I I can kind of look at the same scene from like different POVs. The reader gradually like sort of sees where like a a character might have like a bias or prejudice and it actively involves the reader because they sort of have to like parse through this information that they're getting from three different places and decide like what's true, what's real, what they should trust and what they shouldn't trust. Yeah, you did a really great job of that, of also sharing the information in a way that you're kind of not being told as much as just discovering you feel like you're really part of it yeah well part of writing a mystery right is not like hitting your reader over the head with like here's a clue here's a clue here's a clue (laughs) or here's like a misdirection but like giving them all the information in a way that feels like organic and then like letting them sort of come to their own conclusions a lot of mystery readers once they get to the end they go back to the beginning and they look for those clues and those clues had better be there and so part (laughs) of like writing that kind of murder mystery is you actually write sort of from the beginning to the end but then you also write from the end to the beginning and you go sort of go back and forth to make sure that you are not cheating the reader in any kind of way it should all make sense and they should feel satisfied surprised but not cheated of anything when I was reading at the very beginning, the opening scene of being the big party and then following it through all these different scenes and settings were so vivid and cinematic. My immediate thought was this should be a movie. <laughs> Did you have that thought when you were making it? No, I think it's um, I think it's just how I write. I, I tend to write cinematically. So um, one of the things I do with all of my books is um, is I sort of draw maps Because when I'm writing, even if I'm writing from third person, I still situate myself in that character whose point of view I'm narrating at that time. Like, I feel like I physically have to be able to visualize where me in that character is actually located at that specific time. You know, it, it just helps me have it clear in my own mind. And so in a weird way, I'm like looking through the eyes of my character and moving around with them. In a classic mystery, there's a lot of setup. The first murder doesn't happen until like page 48 or something. That's kind of a long time for the reader to wait. But by having like three different narratives and then also by like the way I write where I situate myself. So therefore I'm situating the reader. I feel like it's not it it keeps the pace like tight because the reader's sort of moving around, like seeing everything from like three different pairs of eyes. So it's it's like an immersive experience. 
and and I'm also giving them all the information that they need to solve the murder themselves. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I saw I was still had a couple twists where I was surprised, which mm-hmm. I love. I love reading a thriller and being surprised is nothing I hate more than knowing exactly what's going to happen. And it pans out exactly as I think it's going to. So you did a great job with that, too. But something I really want to know is you've written all YA novels so far. What's it like living in that teenage brain? Because you do a really great job, especially in this book, of walking that line between like the authenticity of a teenage voice without getting bogged down in too much slang or a lot of shorthand that they think teenagers speak in or type in or anything. And I found like there wasn't that in your book. And I loved that about it. Yeah, that's a scary one for me because I'm a long way from being a teenager. Um, <laughs> but um, I usually don't go to like slangy or, or tech heavy because those things become obsolete so quickly. Um, and also there's nothing sadder than like an old person trying to talk like a, a teenager <laughs> and what they think they, they talk like. I'm more in interested in like what what their motivations are like what are their goals what are their fears what are their so that comes out of my research and like how I develop character and if I'm super clear on motivation then then the way they act and think and speak is clear to me as well and I really try not to overthink it because I love hearing from younger people younger readers that they that they love my characters and that they feel genuine and real to them as a writer that's what I'm trying to do right is to write the truth as much as I can but if I if I think about it too much I I, I'm scared that I'll I'll sort of lose that little bit of confidence I have um, in writing as accurately as I possibly can when I'm portraying teens one of the things I loved about Heartbreak Homes was the representation of a queer storyline that wasn't trauma filled or doomed. Was it important to you to have that positive, joyful representation? Absolutely. So important to me. My last three books have had like queer characters in them, uh, which makes me really happy. I want to have queer characters in my books. It's personally important to me. But I also want to be able to give them happy endings. That's also important to me. Yeah. And uh, and I just want it to be, you know, they're queer. It's no big deal. You know, it's no more a big deal than that they have brown eyes to me. It's just a part of who they are. Exactly. Yeah. And I think we need that representation in books Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Especially YA. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, having having empowered female characters or female identifying characters in my books has always from the very beginning has always been important to me but um you know it's funny it feels easier to have queer characters in my books now because it feels like it's more accepted but I remember it was I remember when when I was going to make one of my characters in Blood Will Out a lesbian I remember thinking like should I you know should I should yeah. I have should I have a gay character? It felt um, it felt kind of risky to me. And now I'm just like, whatever, you know, there's four lesbians in Heartbreak Homes. Just deal with it. <laughs> more. Add them all in. Yeah. Yeah. More gay. <laughs> <laughs> the gayer, the better. In my opinion. So I first talked to you for the coast about Blood Will Out, which is firmly a horror novel. And then you have Ashes, Ashes, which is post-apocalyptic. The Grey Sisters has a plane crash and a survivalistic cult and then this is a straightforward murder mystery so that's a real span of themes what genre theme did you most enjoy writing oh I love writing all of them I think I just um I like a challenge so so they've all been those books have all been challenges for me to write and um I think the books that I want to write are all I like to write 
page turner suspenseful thrillers with so within that sort of genre there's there's the psych thriller there's the survivalist thriller there's the post-apocalyptic and there's the murder mystery um i use them as like vehicles though to talk about like other things that are like really important to me so heartbreak homes actually is about like home and what constitutes home and is home a place or is it the people it's about found family and and shared community and all those things so i i'm not cheating by using like suspense thrillers like a vehicle but that's sort of how i look at it like for me i want to write books that are like about a lot more than that so that there's stuff to think about and stuff to talk about afterwards you know that hopefully there are characters that are going to stay with you like they all join together to solve this mystery, but they all have their their motivations are like complex because people are complex. Teenagers are complex. Speaking as a reader, I didn't want to let go of some of those characters. They were really great. They're alive to me, you know, so I want the reader to feel like the characters like continue on with their lives afterwards. So I don't ever like wrap up everything in like a neat bow, but I sort of hint at the direction that things are going to go in. Are you ever tempted to continue on with the same characters? I mean, I, I'm pretty interested in Kara. I have to say. I was so happy to hear that Frankie was your favorite. Um, I loved her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I love Frankie as well. I love Martin, but Kara is like the closest to my heart. She's the autobiographical one. She's the one who's really based on my own, some of my own experiences and the kind of uh, women that I knew and, and, and how I was. But I could see continuing her um, in The Grey Sisters. Um, so many people wanted to know what happened to Ariel. That was the character that she's the one who grew up in the survivalist cult. And and people were super interested in her. I usually don't think in like duology or series. I put everything into the book and then and then I don't really have anything left. And then I'm, you know, excited by the shiny new idea that I have. And I right. usually pursue that. But maybe someday I'll have like leisure time to be able to revisit some of my some of my characters is it like one big universe would you ever make any of the characters from different books meet each other in a new story possibly <laughs> although fan fiction i love fan fiction so do you have go, fan fiction written uh i don't write it personally i mean i guess i kind of i kind of did def- when i was first starting out i was like so influenced by the, the the authors that i loved that i you know that all my stories were sort of fan fiction but um yeah if if there are any fan fiction writers out there that want to take any of my characters go for it what i tried to do in my last three books I got to do it in Heartbreak Homes was that there's actually for people who've read Blood Will Out and the Grey Sisters, there's sort of like Easter eggs where it links the three books together. Uh, it doesn't really link the books together. It links the towns together. So in my mind, when, when I started writing the Grey Sisters, I'd already written Blood Will Out. The town that the characters are from, Campbellton, is very close to Dempsey Hollow, which is where the Blood Will Out characters are from. And I and I think it got edited out of the Grey Sisters, but I'd linked those two books. So in Heartbreak Homes, I was finally able to link Dempsey Hollow, Campbellton, and Lincoln, which is the town that Heartbreak Homes takes place in together. So in my mind, geographically, they're all quite close together. That's and that so makes cool. me happy. Yeah. 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 Love that. So with this book, it marked your move from Penguin. You were publishing with Penguin yeah. to Nimbus. What yeah. has your experience been working 
with a more independent, locally focused publisher. Yeah, it's really, I mean, so far it's been fantastic. It's great. I already knew my editor as a sort of a, as a friend and she has become an even closer friend. So that speaks to her powers as an editor. Um, <laughs> I'm a huge supporter of, of, of literature that's coming out of Atlantic Canada. You know, we're sort of like the stepchildren or something of the Canadian literary <laughs> community, I feel like. But I, I think that I think that there's so much excellent work coming out of here and, and the rest of Canada is, is waking up and, and opening their eyes and seeing what we're producing. And so that's really exciting. And readers are noticing more and paying readers, attention. Absolutely. Now. Yeah. On a more, you know, sort of nationwide basis. Yeah. We're not an afterthought anymore. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. And you're part owner of Blockshop Books. I am. Yeah. I'm the co-owner. Yep. So you're on the both sides of the book coin. Yes. How has that kind of affected, if at all, your writing also owning a bookshop? I mean, I had a dream when I opened the bookstore that it was going to be the sleepy little bookstore and that I'd take my laptop and I'd get to work on books. <laughs> and it's not a sleepy little bookstore. It's it's a very busy bookstore. I bring my laptop to work all the time, but I've never really been able to write when I'm at work, unfortunately. So, um, but, you know, it, it, me- it means that my whole life is pretty much about books and, and creativity. And so I think that's had an effect on my writing um, because I just feel like I'm submerged in this creative environment and you know and and it's a really special life to to live a life in books as a writer a bookseller a reader I mean I really can't think of anything more beautiful than that and this is coming from someone who's done all of the things because you had a label you were you've, you've done so much in your life but this is the dream. Writing was always the dream. Music is a huge um, part, of, has always been a huge part of my life. Um, so it was great, like being in that world as well. But um, art has always been my thing and my therapy and my sanctuary and all the rest of it. And the thing that makes me truly happy, I, there's lots of things that make me happy, my children and, and my friends and all that. But um, but if I'm not writing, I'm not 100% happy. I have to be working on something. And it's been that way since I was like six years old. Well, Heartbreak Homes, I've read a couple of your other books, but Heartbreak Homes was my favorite. So in my opinion, you're just getting better. I can't wait to see what you write next. Are you working on anything? <laughs> I am. I'm working on two things. I'm working on a um, another psych thriller um, that's set in 1984. Um, and this is my first adult book. Oh. So it's sort of um, the punk scene and punk communes and uh, squats with a psych thriller element. And then I'm also working on a, um, I haven't told anybody this yet, but I'm working on a uh, sort of like within the genre of suspense, but I, I, I want to write um, another horror that has a supernatural element. So I'm working on a young Ooh. adult book. So you're going to have your toes in every single type of genre you can yeah, now. It's going to be yeah, exciting to see. Yeah, I'm excited. I think every book has to challenge me or I can't stick with it long enough to finish it. So you're starting to write something geared more towards adults. What kind of changes when you're writing for adults instead of YA? I don't, I, you know, I don't really know because I usually don't, um, I don't really like um, categorize my writing. You know, YA is sort of a new categorization. You know, just 20 years ago, you know, it would have just been like adult lit, like coming of age, it, but it would have been adult literature, like Catch on the Rhine, David Copperfield, and you know, <laughs> all those books are just like adult lit, right? 
Um, so I don't really, as a writer, I don't think I really think like, oh, I write YA. It's a very um, successful market. And, and so I think that's why it's endured, you know, um, YA sells, books sell a lot. So as far as publishers are concerned, it's like a good market to be in. Um, so with the adult fiction, the only difference, I guess, is that the dark, the themes are a little bit darker. Like I can kind of go there, be a little scarier where I feel like I have to hold back a little bit. Although I don't feel I hold back that much when I write YA. No. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, you know, I've sort of, I I have a big adult readership and probably part of the reason is that I don't really pull my punches too much. Absolutely. I think yeah. that's what makes a good YA is when you can hit both teenagers and adults and mm-hmm. we all find something exciting in it. Yeah. I mean, YA is very, it takes risks. You know, if you look at like the breadth of YA, like, how it defies genre and how it 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 defies even like classic structure yeah. but it's an exciting place to write in so what makes you want to champion a book as a bookseller what what are the things that make you excited to tell people about a book oh they're the they're they're the books that like really speak to me you know i have books that i hug when i read them <laughs> and uh, after i finish reading them and um and then we just have those special books you know for someone who comes in and says you know i want something that like fills my heart and makes me think you know will stick with me i i know those books they're the ones that do the same for me and those are the ones i recommend so what would you recommend to somebody who said that right now? Um, so there's a few. There's uh, The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune is one of those books that you want to hug. It's just, it's queer, it's charming, it uh, has elements of fantasy, it's whimsical, it's just warm-hearted. Um, Fane by Anne-Marie MacDonald just came out. I just love that book, like total g- genre-busting, epic. The characters just live and breathe, just a beautiful, like a masterpiece, I think. Still Life by Sarah Winman. Uh, That's a historical that follows a soldier after the Second World War and an art historian, how their lives sort of move apart and then come back together again. And it was just, it just reminded me of what humans are capable of and like how wonderful humans can be. Do you have any YA recommendations? So many. (laughs) What's the last one that really blew my mind? I just read a book called um, In the Wild Light by Jeff Sentner that I really loved. It's a boarding school book. I'm not a huge boarding school fan, which is actually kind of a thing in like YA. You could blame Harry Potter probably for that. (laughs) But it, um, I just thought the characters were like so complex and like flawed and beautiful. And it was just a real, it was just a real like sort of punch the heart book. I thought it was great. I love Decoding Dot Gray, which I think you guys (laughs) have something to do with. Um, Yeah, I just thought it was like such a, if you want to apply a narrow categorization to YA, which I don't think anyone should do, but um, it just felt like it, it, it felt like a big book, you know, um, complex. And I thought that the character of Dot Gray was fantastic. She did an amazing job. Yeah. 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 I think she got really close. Nicola Davidson, I think she got really close to the truth of that character. We did the podcast with her. So go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. So cool. (laughs) And you have an excerpt for us? Did oh, you yes, want yes. to read something? Sure, I'll read a very short excerpt. So um, this is sort of uh, 50 pages in or so. And um, as I mentioned, there's a lot of setup with the classic murder mystery where I'm introducing you to all the suspects and, and et cetera. 
And so this is when um, Frankie has become a little concerned because her friend Jessa, who she's gone to the party with, who's her best friend, Jessa's crushing on a boy and Frankie's sort of there for emotional support. She's become concerned because she hasn't seen Jessa and Jessa seems really inebriated. So she and Martin go upstairs um, to the bedroom where Jessa is with Mel and they break down the door. This is what they find. Lanterns gleamed on the windowsill, candles flickered on the mantel. A cold breeze came through an open window. I could smell something alien, mixed in with the jasmine scent of the candles, rusty like a bag of old nails. I caught sight of my reflection in the window, pale and crazied by the dancing shadows. A small, decorative table was in pieces on the floor next to a heap of clothes, but it wasn't. It was Jessa, sprawled out as if she'd hit the ground hard. The mirror was smashed, and splinters of silver peppered the carpet. I fell to my knees, I didn't care if I cut myself, and reached for her slack hand. Her eyes were closed, blood trickled down her forehead. Had she knocked herself out? I tapped her cold cheeks, noticing with relief that she was breathing, so slow and deep it was almost imperceptible. Jessa, wake up. Nothing. I eased her into an upright position, bracing her body against mine. Her head lolled as if her bones had dissolved. Martin, she's not responding. I fumbled my phone one-handed, tried to unlock it with clumsy wooden fingers. Martin, help me. Behind me, I heard him breathe in and out in short, quick gasps. I turned my head. Martin was standing over by the bed. Martin? He stared at me, his mouth opening and closing mutely, as if it were hinged like a ventriloquist's puppet. It was then I noticed the dark mass on the white sheets in the middle of the bed. I laid Jessa gently down and stood up to get a better look. It was Malcolm Bradley. One blue eye looked up at the ceiling. The other was a bloody wreck. Ooh, shivers. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. I love talking about this book with you. I love the book. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Everybody get it. Read it. <laughs> Heartbreak Homes by Joe Trigiari is available now everywhere books are sold. And thank you for listening and hanging out with us. Join me next time on this book lover's journey as we try to read more, read Canadian, read local. You know, all the good things. <laughs>